gonna swing. <laughs> you sound like some cross between Sia and a pig. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 43 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I do web-related things. I'm Sam and I make the art things. And today is March 29th, 2016. And before we get started, we have a warning. Anything that happened on this show, there's going to be there's going to be pr- crudeness. Maybe mm-hmm. pru- there's going to be prudeness also Not a, a lot of prudeness. Uh yeah, but if you are prude and you don't like crude language, then get the hell out of here. Go Take listen that to something dude else. elsewhere. And of course, we have missed what? 3 weeks? Three hundred podcasts. We were at GDC for a while, and so we weren't able to podcast while we were there. And then while we were at GDC, we we all got the, the flu. Black death. Yeah, I I picked up the flu halfway through. Yeah, you got two black deaths, didn't you? I think I got. Yeah, I think I got two different diseases, like a gray death and a black death, or something. Yeah, it was it was sort of a multicolored fusion of death. Uh, and then as we were leaving GDC, Sam got it mm-hmm. as well. I was shivering on the airplane and I was trying not to let the stewardess see so they wouldn't kick me off. Because yeah, I, and this was nasty. Like, this was some nasty stuff. Yeah, man. I, I think had, uh, I was getting nightly fevers. I remember one of the days at GDC after Seth had his fevering day. He came out for meetings and stuff, and he would just randomly start sweating. I was just covered yeah. in a sheen of sweat. It was weird. There was this one gentleman who we just bumped into randomly while we were waiting in a hotel lobby to meet with somebody, and he started chatting with us. And I felt I felt weirdly bad for him because he was like he was chatting up with us, and I could tell he was kind of weirded out by the fact that I was really really sweaty for no <laughs> for no reason. Your, your head just had beads of. I just had, yeah, just running down like, and I'm bald. So, you know, if I had hair, my hair would probably absorb it or something, but the baldness just lets it just run free, you know? Yeah. You look particularly sweaty when you get sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I'm sure that made everybody else really uncomfortable, but more importantly, it gave everybody else diseases. Yeah. so So apparently tons of people got the GDC flu this year, uh, including two thirds of us. Adam managed to dodge it somehow. But I did have a really hyperactive GERD episode. Yeah, so we all we all came out. It was not basically last week was spent with us recovering in a in a sickness and health sense from the plagues of GDC, uh, which is why we weren't around for doing podcasting stuff. That's our excuse, anyways. You know. But speaking of GDC, let's talk about it. Yeah, what happened? Speak about it. Aside from getting diseased and then feeling like garbage for for two weeks, it was pretty neato. Uh, so we, we really planned this one out a bit more so than we usually do. Oh, wait, what is GDC? GDC is the Game Developers Convention in San Francisco, and about 27,000 game developers bought tickets. Well, about 5,000 game developers and 25,000 ad companies trying to put their ads into people's games. So it's a good mix. It's a, it's a, always a good time and always a, there's just so many people who all do games and it's really fun for us to go and visit obviously because there's just like, it's like a pool of our people, you know? Um, but finding the people who are truly our people within that mass who aren't, you know, the ad company people or 
trying to make us give away 20,000 steam keys for crash lands for various mm-hmm. nefarious purposes. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to kind of sort those subgroups out. So we did, I think, a really good job this year before getting there of, of having a lot of these meetings with really cool people lined up already. So not only with the platform holders like iTunes and Google Play and uh, and PlayStation, Sony, but uh, but also just with other cool devs. Like we met the guys from Pretty Great who made Landsliders, which is really yes. fun. We have to hang out with Trinket, who make Battle Chef Brigade, which is coming out sometime in Eventually. the next while. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, we just got to hang out with a bunch of other devs and, and talk shop with people. And like that's the super fun part. But the craziest thing about the whole experience is that so everyone's just going nuts about VR. Yeah, I mean, like really. Like, yeah, I can't crazy. I, I can't express how apathetic I am towards VR right now. Did you get to do it because while we were there, said? Um, I have. I did it last GDC. Mm-hmm. We did. We played can't or uh, keep talking and nobody explodes. Oh yeah, which we great. also met the dev uh, who made that this year, which was cool. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's super cool, but the way I see it is it's. Everybody keeps talking about VR as being the future of gaming, as in like all gaming is going to go this way. And to me, that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Like you're not going to be able to do VR gaming everywhere. Like it takes a pretty it takes a pretty involved sensory deprivation kind of a setup. Right. Because like you're wearing this thing on on your face. You have headphones on. You can't see or hear anything around you whatsoever. And so it's a commitment. Like mm-hmm. playing a VR game, you really got to jump into it. You can't just casually do VR, right? Um, so I think there's always going to be room for, you know, sitting in front of a screen or having a, a phone or whatever in front of you and, and still being able to sense your surroundings a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's not a bad thing. I think there might so. be – it'll probably end up being essentially another platform, right? Just like whatever other new stuff people use. Yeah. Like there's smartphones, you know, a couple of years ago. I think VR is just going to be yet another uh, cool platform. But really until until one of these consoles actually bundles one of the headsets with it, it'll be, it'll be a long road for that well and even then though i mean the fact is that in the same way that 3d game development um not 3d as in vr but 3d as in you know 3d models and 3d models you know 3d 3d game development is way more complicated and human resource intensive and just time consuming to do than 2d game development vr is another level above that yeah and and i mean vr is way harder than regular 3d programming because there are now a thousand more things you have to pay attention to and there's a thousand ways to make people vomit yeah that's the biggest one which that's even a problem in in just regular 3d dev you have to be careful of motion sickness stuff yeah and it it gets compounded hugely by vr i will say though i did i did do this uh this animated movie uh short while we were there where you you wear the vr thing and you can kind of wander around and i looked down and i had this little fat rabbit body and it was (laughs) one of the most shocking and hilarious things like when you walk around it kind of slinks around like it doesn't control (laughs) your your arms don't control with it but it was i mean that was really interesting to see and like the i mean truly i think that this comes back to what you're saying about the sensory deprivation but like it genuinely locks you out of the actual world um because humans are so eyesight dependent we're much more yeah. eyesight dependent than most mammals anyways and so like having your entire visual field completely replaced as opposed to you know screen replaced in some regard uh really really turns up the immersion a ton yeah well i, I think that's it's gonna be both the the upside and the downside yeah, of VR. Yeah, and, there, and I can guarantee you, and I think we talked about this a little bit uh, at GDC, but there's going to be a news story soon, within the next couple of years, where somebody was home alone.
alone playing games in their VR headset and somebody comes into their home and robs them and leaves and the person has no idea (laughs) that this has happened because or even more nefarious stuff could happen. Yeah, but I mean, you are you are home, but you are not really there in the sense that you have no concept of what's going on around you. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a commitment to play VR. It's for the it's for the truly hardcore. Yeah, uh, and then otherwise, which is all to we, say, like, I think VR is going to do really awesome stuff. Um, but it's yeah, going to be it's going to be years before, and I don't mean a lot of years, but a few years before it's broadly accessible enough and there's enough standardization that devs can really feel confident developing for it. Because right now it's a very, very risky proposition, actually. It's just, it's sort of like the goldmine days of, of the App Store, where for the first couple of years, when you were one of the few people who could figure out how to develop for it, there weren't that many games, there wasn't a lot of competition, people were still willing to spend money on stuff that you made. And people became instantaneous millionaires launching stuff during the yeah, Actually, I, I kind of wonder, though, if it's going to be not not quite it'll be like that for the game devs. But I think on the other side of it, on the hardware side, this is going to look a lot like when video, yeah, when video game consoles mm-hmm. first started appearing. And the market was flooded with dozens and dozens of different types of consoles that all use yeah. different cartridges. And and for developers, it was difficult because they had to pick one and develop for that. And nobody knew which one was going to do well or anything. And uh, at some point, everything just completely bottomed out and the whole market collapsed and the Nintendo Entertainment System emerged victorious, right? Um, and then that was kind of like when gaming started really booming because everybody bought the one console and it was very profitable. It's for still, I, although I would even go so far as to say there was, I mean, certainly it dominated the market, but what it really did was it was, it ended up making it so that only a small number, because now it's basically PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, right? Yeah. Just a handful of, of things really, really actually have a presence and they all still have a huge presence now, but I think VR is going to be the same way where those those exact same powerhouses except for nintendo but those exact same powerhouses are trying to do the same thing with vr and so they're all they're going to be cutting people out from the get-go because they had the research money to to do this in the first place but kind of like the old console days where computing and computing power was still low enough that every company could have its own angle to do something really new and awesome with their with their hardware right that because people got excited when like when they switched from 16 bit to 32 bit right like when consoles were coming out now if you talk about the next PlayStation coming out the next Xbox coming out you're like ooh yeah it's going to look even more realistic than it already does which is pretty fucking realistic the way <laughs> hair blows in the breeze is going to be yeah, Super we're getting compelling. we're getting to finer and finer details where the differences between consoles just doesn't really matter that much anymore. But yeah. for VR, I mean the 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 distinction between hardware differences for VR is really important because mm-hmm. it has so many new aspects like head tracking, uh, just how fine your pixel density is, how good the lenses are, um, how well, good and there's your stuff other peripherals like, are. Yeah, there's stuff like whether it tracks your hand movements and yeah, exactly that kind of thing. And so all these other aspects of the thing are going to make it so that there's now real stuff that these really big powerhouse hardware makers can compete on. So I think we're absolutely going to see an amazing VR war. It's going to get crazy in the next yeah. few years. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a bubble uh it's there's gonna be like like what always happens there's gonna be a whole bunch of people rushing in trying to trying to cash in on this and there's gonna be a few victors that emerge well they're gonna deal with it well actually i don't know because to me there's something really particularly interesting about now which is that it used to be absolutely the case that to develop a game 
you not only did you have to choose a platform in the first place, but you couldn't develop a game that worked on multiple platforms at once because the game was tied to the hardware, like yeah. completely tied to the hardware. And you put it into a cartridge or and you, like and it you was... put it into a physical cartridge, right? Yeah. And that is now not even a little bit true because of things like Unity and GameMaker and, and other other programming environments where you can make a game once in a single language and then use somebody else's, you know, years of research and development to then click a button and make that game work on every platform in the universe. We truly live so, in amazing times. We really do. But so this is this is cool, right? Because it used to be the case that that especially PlayStation and Xbox um, would be one of the things they fought each other with was exclusive access to AAA titles. And that almost that already yeah. almost doesn't happen anymore. There are very few exclusive titles because that was never a good deal for the developers. Yeah, or, or if they are exclusive, it's a, it's just a very it's short temporary. time frame, yeah. like a three month or six month kind of a right. thing. Right. Because that's not good for developers and that's not good for players because players don't give a shit about wars between consoles, right? They, they just, just want to play, play, play the game. And so I think it's a great thing that this is becoming a thing of the past. Uh, but for VR, we're now in this interesting time where because VR is a peripheral, it relies... So, so you know, peripheral isn't you attach it to your PC or to your PlayStation or whatever. Right. That means that games can be made where the game itself could not only theoretically, but absolutely be played on any existing platform. So so things can't compete by getting exclusive titles. You mean because, VR headsets can't compete? Yeah, VR headsets can't compete yeah, by yeah. having exclusive titles. They have titles. to just work with the, the yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. So now it's actually going to be that instead of the consoles driving how the world changes and how gaming changes, it's actually going to be the makers of games because the, the power is moving into their hands instead of... Whoa, whoa. So, <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be really cool to see what this particular battle looks like because it'll tell us a lot about how the games industry has changed because because of the massive com- the massive infrastructure that's been developed with things like Unity and Game Maker. Yeah, this is going to be gonna weird. Be cool. We'll have to keep yeah. an eye on it. I mean, of course, we make 2D stuff, so it's not really that relevant to us, but it's still pretty cool to watch. Yeah, Super it is. Cool. It's very cool to watch. And uh, otherwise, at GDC, we we did manage to uh, we got nominated for a couple of different awards, uh, both of which were mobile focused. And uh, it was also kind of weird because most of the awards ceremonies were about games that came out in 2015. So Crashlands was kind of weird because it came out in January of this year. Um, but we did end up getting second place in the Indie Plus Fun Plus Correct. Awards. Yeah, the Fun Plus. Mm-hmm. The Indie Plus Awards, yeah. 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 Um, and that was <laughs> that was particularly funny because for some reason, the, the so the company that put this together was called Fun Plus and... They decided that they needed like a super cool person to be sort of the MC of the event. And so they they hired Billy D. Williams, who played Lando Calrissian from Star Wars, to to be on the guy on the stage the announcing awards, the winners yeah. and handing it, handing out the awards. Um, which was cool because we got to shake the hand of Lando Calrissian, but but at the same time he clearly did he was out of place there. <laughs> yeah. Like he's yeah. he got up on stage and he was just like, so what is this? This is India <laughs> awards. What does that mean? Yeah, and it wasn't a joke. Like he he literally did not. Yeah, he know. was he was good humored <laughs> about it, but he clearly didn't really know what why he was there. And well, and to be fair, nobody, nobody did. knew why yeah. he was there. <laughs> 
Because uh, he's Lando Calrissian. That's why. Yeah, but it was he kind can of go awesome. wherever he wants. He's, I have to wonder though, because like, because him being Lando Calrissian was what forty years ago. Yeah, yeah, a long and, time ago. Uh, a long time ago, and of course that's how we know him. And but you know, but since then he's done all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, is like, that like is that a bummer for him to just? Yeah, he's like he's kind of <laughs> like a polymath actually, right? Like he he does he's like a musician, and I don't I like I don't know much about him as a person, except that he's been successful for a long time, but kind of in the behind the scenes kind of way. And even in star Wars, you know, like he was kind of a central character, but not, this is why you got to do it. Character. You got to do it. Arnold Schwarzenegger style, which is get super good and peek out at one thing, like being Mr. Universe six times in a row, whatever. <laughs> right. And then you're like, okay, I did that. I'm done doing that. Now I got to go do the next thing to the max. You're saying don't, you're saying whole ass one thing. Whole ass one thing, but in sequence. So now, Don't so now Arnold. Ass end things. Arnold is known as Muscle Guy plus actor slash Muscle Guy plus Governor of California. So, but even know, in that context, context, he was still mostly just Muscle. Guy. He was still Muscle Guy, but you know, he's he's multidimensional in that sense. So I think it's a good. It was a good approach, and Mr. Billy D. Williams maybe didn't quite nail it as as hard he was, as he was Arnold trying did. to be good, and maybe <laughs> was good, but just at too many things. Yeah, yeah, whole ass one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and otherwise, uh, that's it, right? That's all that happened at GDC. Yeah, sure pretty much. Yeah, well, I mean, a million things happened about VR. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Overall, great experience. We got diseased, uh, met a lot of cool people, and that was it. Mm-hmm. GC's done. Yeah, so then we got back. We were so we were all sick for a week and had a miserable week back. Um, but then we got back on the um, back in the saddle, and we have just put out the Crashlands Quality of Life final patch into the beta channels, and we have a post up in the Crashlands subreddit about how that's going and how you can get in there and, and test it. We have all kinds of sweet new features, including... A brand new world map that has pinch zoom and f- you can you can put rub your finger all over it to pan it Drag around. Drag it around. And it shows NPCs that have uh, quests available or quests ready to be turned in. So you can actually find out where to get new quests. It also shows pets for those of you who are maniacs and for some reason just put your pets yeah, randomly this is in thing. the world. Or people will <laughs> let their toddlers play and their toddler will go just to a random place in the world and open up build mode and just put their pe- put all their pets down just somewhere in the world and then just leave. So then some then they'll pick up the game again. The parent will and they'll be like, what the hell? And they have no pets and they have no way to get their pets back. Um, so now you will. You can see so it. That's, that's good. And uh, we also have some pretty cool news about the Crashlands documentary. Uh, well, it's more of a... Yeah, I guess it's a it's a behind the scenes Crashlands documentary, kind of about the development and the story behind it with uh, Sam's cancer stuff and um, the launch of the game and and all that. It's called uh, Brace for Impact, and it's being made by Forever and Astronaut, which is a local studio here in St. Louis. And they just put a Kickstarter up. Uh, do we have a, a link? For that? We do. It's a bit.ly slash Crashlands movie. Why do you always say bit.ly? That is bit it's, dot, called, it's called bit, a bit. <laughs> bit <laughs> that sounds L-Y. like L-E-E. Yeah. yeah, it's bit.ly slash Crashlands movie. Is it fair? So I, I keep on hearing people say URLs and they always say forward slash. Is it just not, does like, do people still not know that it's always a goddamn forward slash? Is that? I don't know. Is does that it matter even? If you put a backslash on a URL, will it, uh, will it will break? Auto fix it? I mean, it's, sh- 
in principle it should, but probably everything fixes that now. I have no idea. I don't know. But say with Bitly, right? Together. Who doesn't know what Bitly links are? But well, uh, probably probably a couple people. Uh, but yeah, true. so if you go to bit.ly slash Crashlands movie, you can back the Kickstarter to help get the movie finished. And I also want to throw in a disclaimer, which is we are we are not financially involved in this film. Um, true. We have no stake uh, financially in it. We are not getting any proceeds from the sales or anything. Well, everything. I, mean, I did back it on Kickstarter so I can get a copy. Yeah, so well, yeah. I did do you, that. Can, you can kind of think of the Kickstarter like a pre-order. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we aren't paying for production of the movie. We aren't getting money from it. It's it's all the project being done by Forever and Astronaut, and they've taken it entirely on their shoulders, and they're working their asses off. So uh, definitely, definitely check it out. They're doing a, a great job with that. Okay, so there's one last news item, which... It's too uh, real, Seth. It's too real. Which we... So we kind of talked about this. We talked about this the week after Crashlands launched. And it's the idea of this kind of post-launch slump, I guess you would call it. It's uh, it's a thing that happens where after you put a game out, it becomes really difficult to work on new things because you have this giant behemoth that a whole bunch of people are playing, lots of people are talking about. And every time you do something with it, like add a patch or whatever, then that immediately gets you feedback and people are excited about it and whatever. There's a there's a community already built around it and working on something entirely new basically means leaving that party and you know going back into your lonely cave for a year or well, two. Well, it's not only that though. It's also that we've been living and breathing that project. So it's it's what we've thought about. Even even the the launch part aside and the the social aspects of interacting with people who are playing the game and all that stuff. Even taking that out, the the thing is done. Yeah. It's it's literally the only thing we've worried about. Well, it, it for feels like it feels like we've gone from being game developers to being Crashlands developers, right? Well, I for, think we absolutely were. Yeah, because for two years we were not developing games; we were just making a game, just one game. And well, there's uh, a, the, the, the consequences of that have been really interesting. Yeah, there's a weird sort of psychological effect to that, which is that we used to be it used to be very easy for us to sort of freewheel and deal and make up new crap and start building it and not care and all that stuff. And after doing dev on just this one huge game for two years, which uh, not only is, is massive, but also which we thought we saw the end of for probably about eight months before launch, which meant that we really, really dug in, you know, about halfway through last year and really like to the extent of almost everything else in our lives, uh, you know, just focused on that. I mean, I, like, I don't have hobbies anymore. I don't really do much outside of Crashlands. It's just been Crashlands. Just doing it. And so as a result, there's this weird thing that's happened where now that that pressure has come off, um, all of us have sort of had been figuring out how to deal with the weirdness of that void. And like I said, we did talk about this a little bit the week after launch, and I'm pretty sure at the time... Well, we were very dismissive about it. Na- we were naive. We were like, oh, well, we think we got this under control. It's not a big deal. We're already cooking it. You know, it's whatever. Um, definitely not the case. You know, after- Well, no, it was actually more that at, at that time, and it still is true. At that time, we were like, there's still enough that has to be done with the game. That it didn't feel launched. Yeah, that, that was more. We had tons about, right? of patching to right. do and yeah, and, work and it was true. I mean, we we faced no slump whatsoever. And the fact is, we're still 
we're still not in a slump in the sense that we feel like we've got stuff to do and, and it's and it's productive. The problem though is that we're we are ready because now I mean where we are with Crashlands is that quality of life patch is now done. Seth finished that. So that'll be out in a few weeks, which means now his job is done for a while. Sam's job is done for a while. And now it falls on me to finish the thing up because that's the creator patch and that's all on the website. That means that Sam and Seth could now, in principle, get started on the next game. In principle. In principle. And that's where the problem yeah. comes from. Yeah, because it's the, it's just the case that after working on one thing for two years to to the extent where we say, here's all the systems, we just need to fill out the content, don't have any more ideas because we sh- simply don't have time to put that crap in. Which is yeah, we didn't in. want ideas. It's been a whole year of shutting down new ideas. So now suddenly... So we can finish Crashlands. Yeah, now suddenly we're like, all right, well, let's turn the new ideas on, guys. Just turn the faucet. Let's go. Just turn it back on. And no that is turns out to be slightly it's more hard. difficult than we well, imagined. No. It's not even that turning on ideas is hard. It's that it's that trying to it's that we still are rejecting every idea we come up with. Yeah, almost immediately. Immediately, because we've gotten so used because we never stopped coming up with ideas. <laughs> we just got really good at suppressing every new idea before it turned into work. Yeah. And now and now like all we can do is suppress every idea that comes up. But we have a we have a solution. We have a cure. Do we? Maybe. We're yes. going to try it. It's an experimental cure. Yeah, I mean, the, the cure for this is game jams. I'm I'm 100% confident about that. Uh, in a game jam, you know, you're, you're basically, it's just a freewheeling, make something crazy in a short time span with no intention of it being commercially viable or popular or even functional. Um, and just try to make it and see what happens. Well, so, you, do, you do try to make it at least somewhat functional. Well, you try to, but it might not end up that way. <laughs> yeah, it may, uh, it may end up because... <laughs> and that's okay, because who gives a shit? It's a jam game. So I think our, our plan is right now we're going to we're gonna spend a, a little bit of time doing some research and playing some, some games that are out there that we've been really interested in that are doing cool stuff. And uh, we're also going to do several in-house game jams where we just make some, some weird shit to kind of shake off the the what do you call it? shake off the dust the rust i guess probably more so the rust yeah, yeah. and get moving so we'll uh, we i don't know we we might post those jam games publicly i think if we if we can if they're playable and, and yeah unless there's a really good reason not to i think we absolutely should make them available so yeah and they may the not out for that they may not be hooked up to b scotch id or you know they may not be fully they probably won't be fully fleshed out and um, that's fine. They'll just be fun little experiments for us to kind of get our heads back in the game. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that. It'll be, hopefully it'll be fun <laughs> 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 to say the least. I uh, think it will be. Okay. Well, let's move on to questions. Yeah. And these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. They are mostly asked by Bscotch ID members, although they can be asked anonymously. And uh, every time we do a podcast, we run through all the questions and pick the ones that we think are going to sort of foster the the most interesting discussion. So if you want to ask questions, head on over to podcast.bscotch.net and make it interesting. Okay. And don't forget, it's a forward slash. Yeah, if you right. go to a backslash, you'll probably end up God knows where. The dark side of the internet, I think, is where those go. The dark net. All right, so I want to I want to start us off with a really, uh, really good, deep, serious question by Brand fourteen fifteen, which mm, is deep serious. If you could cover your entire body with a substance, what would it be and why? <laughs> the, I got the it. The main reason I like this question is is purely because somebody thought to ask it. It's just yeah, such a also- weird. <laughs> Question. There are some like there are some weird questions that you get that like you've heard before, kind of. 
You know? Yeah, I have not I've heard never this heard question in any context. Yeah, okay, I have an answer, is. but it, my answer starts with a question, because I'm not sure if this is okay. Okay. Does a robotic exoskeleton count as a substance? I think a substance has to be homogenous. Okay, well, in that case, wax. You would cover your whole body with wax? <laughs> yeah, I would just I would just wax myself. Like, wait, like hot wax? Yeah, like for waxing. That way, um, that way, I'm super smooth afterwards. Oh my uh, god! Can you imagine the amount of pain that, that would unleash on <laughs> your body? You would yeah, wax but your whole the benefits body? the benefits would be outstanding. I mean, you would be very You'd smooth. Be so smooth. Would they outweigh the cost? Hey, pain is temporary. Smoothness lasts for about a week. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. not forever though no not no you got to keep you got to keep du- dunking yourself into the wax bucket so why week. not why not then cover if, if you're going for for a hair loss strategy here for some reason why not go with like nair i feel like I, I feel like the chemicals in nair if you put them on your whole body at once would probably pickle you yeah nair, well nair also has a big warning so there are different oils, and I, I I know about this. I've heard about this. There are different oils in different areas on your body that if nair gets applied to them, it creates a chemical burn. Whoa, what? Specifically in, in your more sensitive areas. Oh, good God. So I think if you nair your <laughs> arm, basically anywhere that there's like a crease. <laughs> so between your legs and in your armpits and stuff. Uh so you'll, don't, you'll get some, if you're listening to this, kids, don't don't, don't nair your sack. Don't nair don't. your creases. <laughs> it's just not a good yeah, move. It's it would be bad. All right, Adam. Actually, what about I you? think I remember. So back in in high school, when we were all in swimming, we had to shave our legs yeah. before we went to the final swim stuff. So like the, like the goal is you grow as much hair as possible during the swim season as drag, right? You just get bushy. You just get bushy everywhere. You become and then, a bush man. when it comes to your major co- competitive events, you just shave down head to toe, or at least put a swim cap on and shave everything else. Head to tip. I remember, I remember trying to get the hair off of my legs in some reasonable fashion, and every way it completely sucked. So for everybody who does this every day, I'm super sorry. <laughs> And I, but I remember trying Nair. Mm. How'd it go? It did, and it was on my legs, but it did, it was really burning. Like it, it provided a lot of burning sensation. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's dissolving the hair. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, it acid, to, right? right? It's yeah. like Draino. Yeah. It, Draino, it melts, yeah. it melts what you put it on. <laughs> it's but that is way better than. probably one of the worst things you could put on your skin now that I think about but it. Do you remember though, uh, that that friend of ours, DJ, who on the way to the final swim meet <laughs> had forgotten to shave his legs, and so in the bus took a razor and just dry shaved his legs. He did it dry. Uh, oh and man, that was the most disturbing result. Yeah, the <laughs> next pizza. day his leg he looked like he was just walking on two just like ground slabs of hamburger. Oh, it was God. disgusting and terrible. It was. <laughs> It was horrifying. Adam, what would that you choose? Horrible. What are you going to cover your so whole body with? Cover myself in a substance. Now, I, the other thing I can think of that that I really would want to cover myself in would either be some sort of nice oil, you know, like a massage Ooh. oil, right? Like a, a good smelling one. Uh, or a lotion. I think lotion probably doesn't count because it gets absorbed. Okay. So I'd have well, to say a really you could, nice... I mean, if you want to answer the... If you want to meet the criteria of the question, you'd have to put on enough lotion that you absorb it and then another and layer, then have a layer that you can't <laughs> absorb. So you just be, I think that might make your skin come off or something horrible. You just be I'm gonna a go wet with, lotion-y guy. I, I just want a lavender-scented massage oil. That's very nice, Adam. Yeah, yeah man. That's pretty good. You remember when, uh, when out at the old house, we had a swimming pond 
and there was a dock on it, and we would dive down off the dock to the bottom of the water, which is like probably 15 feet-ish. Yeah, and get then, that super gross yeah, mud. grab the mud silt from the bottom and then bring it up and put it on the dock, and then we'd cover ourselves. It was it. very soft <laughs> mud. It was incredibly soft. It was. It was probably full of leeches, but whatever. Well, no, I mean, leeches, who cares about, but it was also full of dragonfly larvae. That was the bad one, because those, those bite they, the shit out of you. That's true. <laughs> How do they hurt so bad? They're like two inches. I mean, you've seen their jaws, though, right? Their jaws are these crazy, I guess like, they are, like, made of jaws, actually. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty horrifying. Uh, I think I would cover myself with... Why the fuck do they need jaws that are that big? They, they, they eat, eat. They eat fish and stuff. They, they eat, eat, like, everything. entire fish? Yeah. Well, I mean, little oh ones, but God. yeah. Yeah, dude, they yeah. eat, like, frogs and shit if they can yeah, catch so, them. Okay, sorry. What are you going to say, Sam? You're going to cover <laughs> yourself with... I'm going to cover myself in $100 bills. Just yeah. The, just a coating of... How money. thick? As thick as my body will tolerate. That's so you'll just encase yourself in like a just a solid just ball a of solid armor ball of hundred dollar bills, and then do that you get way, to keep them afterwards, or do you just I, have I'm to? I'm assuming I get to keep them afterwards. That's why I'm. But I mean, doing but it. I think the problem though is that if you, as soon as you pay with one of those bills, then you've now removed a part of that substance from your body. You know, well, this so is this isn't a permanent situation. This is just a one time coverage. I thought. So you're saying? I, I thought I didn't. So, know so you just you're just gonna cover yourself for a long time? Yeah. Okay, so the situation here is you you find a genie. We'll call mm-hmm. him the the skin the body substance, substance genie. genie. Yeah. <laughs> now, man, you don't you don't want to use a genie. Genies are so dubious. You got to be very devious? specific. Devious, even. Yeah. Dub- well, dubious. let's say let's say a genie who just tells it like it is. Okay. Well, a straight talking straight, genie. Straight talking genie. An STG, if you will. <laughs> a straight talking body <laughs> substance. We need to get genie. ourselves an STG of the body substance. You're gonna deal with a genie. That. You make sure he's a straight shooter, because absolutely. Don't so, so now the the criterion he lays out is he says, "All right, I'm gonna give you one wish, and that wish can only be for a substance that will cover your entire body at this very moment." Yeah. Now, under under this circumstance, you would say hundred dollar bills, because then that's a nice dense way to cover yourself. With something you can then use after the fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. I, I mean, if you take the general. Think of how much wa- of, how much wax you could buy with all those hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you could and do all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. You could do all the other ones with that one. You know. I mean, like, what's the what's the general surface area of the average human? Well, no, but more importantly, what's the general surface area that can be covered with dollar bills, right? Because these are now large rectangles. Would they actually have to be cut to make a polygonal sort of model? No, of I your think body? it would be kind of like a like you ever put paper mache on yeah. on a thing. You know, this you just kind of like this is a money mache situation. You kind of grind up the money. No, you're just gonna into, you're just uh, gonna keep keep layering it on at different angles and stuff until you cover cover every every mm-hmm. available spot. Some of the more curvaceous areas of the body might be pretty hard to to manage, but or the creases. The creases, the creases are always hard to shove money into. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fact. They're easy to shove Nair into though. They're <laughs> too easy. Some would say. Alright, we're gonna uh, move on to the next question, which is from Kevin eight eighty eight. Kevin eight eighty eight. This is a Crashlands question. He says, a lot of people, or maybe just a few, have asked about Crashlands 2. What are your thoughts on sequels? Do you like them? What does a good sequel need? I like them. Well, sometimes. I don't. I like good sequels. I like the idea in general. I think it's great. Uh, also, from a business perspective, they make a lot of sense because... People like them. Sequels always do better than their previous versions, even if they're terrible. Yeah, sequels are super dangerous. It is... If, if you're a person, if you're a studio or somebody who's making the thing, right, and you really care about about this intellectual property you made, like you you love your characters and that kind of thing. Sequels are really dangerous because it's almost 
almost always true that people are upset by the contents of a sequel. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people. Well, I think like, I, it's it's rare that, it, that somebody watches a sequel and are like, ooh, I like that as much or better than the previous one. Because even though most people will still like it well, well you're thinking enough. of movies, though. And books. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, of games, I think, I think I mean, games are a little different because... Well, I think games, people have come to expect that a sequel literally means the exact same game again with better graphics. That's, yeah, or a different story or something. Yeah, I, th- well, I think yeah. that's kind of what it is. But I, mean, I think in the case of Crashlands and the kind of the, kind of the question of uh, what does a good sequel need, really, you just you take what you did and then you take some of the stuff that you couldn't do either because of time or technical limitations or whatever else, and then you also do that. A so, sequel is like a doing a post-mortem almost. <laughs> right. Like you just, you look a back. Right. Yeah. yeah, you just look back and you're like, okay, what did we do badly? What if we just d- made this game again but did the bad things less badly <laughs> i mean i prefer the things that are that are based in the same universe so take like uh take the, the various marvel movies on netflix right now yeah these are those as as a thing those are sequels to other media that already existed right because it's part it's a continuation of the marvel universe which has been around for a long time and in some ways they're taking like agents of shield right in a lot of ways that that thing is a sequel to like to the avengers movie Right. Well, it actually right. runs uh, in parallel. So there's a point, exactly. there's and a so point at people, which I think in season two of Agents of Shield they refer they, they yeah they reference the event and in season movie. one they do it yeah, they do it in both yeah yeah. So I like these kinds of things because what they do is they is they have their entire own thing that refers to and uses other existing things so that in you know in a way it's still a sequel because it depends on that prior work but that that dependence is reduced enough that people don't see it as a simple either duplication with improvement or a single continuation of the prior thing because i think i think in both of those cases you just you just run into a risk where it's kind of hard to to have one really good coherent story and coherent you know piece of media and then basically just kind of make version 2 of that yeah in a way that's really interesting I think that's that's always the hard part is, is I think the interesting thing about about games though like Seth was saying is that the, the difference is that you're not just dealing with narrative which you get like, to you get to mechanically have yeah. the player do different things sure yeah. yeah so so if you so when you get to expand the world in that regard like you can't expand the amount of interactions that someone gets to have with the sequel to an Avengers movie for example um, you get to expand what the narrative can do and maybe you know add some new characters or else but it's, it's still all narrative based at the end of the day but I think the cool part about games that do sequels really well is that they just slowly kind of you know tack on a few additional features that maybe they couldn't get in on the first go round and then you sort of you keep on building out the world from there and then it, if you do it really well then you can actually use those to tell a part of the story that or, at, or have the player play through a part of the story that literally would not have been possible in a previous game and that's that's I think where where games sequels can be really really neato so yeah, I think I think it can be done but then there, what that leads to the question though is is if you're going to start changing the mechanics in an interesting way do new things and and so on like why not also diversify it further to to expand and branch out the story yeah i think well, that's as you start you, describing it this way really what you're saying because i'm th- think of like uh like the fallout series mm-hmm. it's actually kind of weird to call those sequels because the part that's a sequel is that most of the game mechanics are the same right yeah it's the same game 
same. The setting is the same, and the mechanics are the same. Well, the, no, the setting. Well, the, so the setting, the like, universe, in the is time. The same. Yeah, the universe is the same. Yeah, but it, but actually, like, like the games take place maybe fifty years apart. Totally different characters. There is, of course, some referencing of, of previous events, but the it doesn't because I guess when I think of a sequel, I think of like literally has the same characters. It's a continuation of a story that that sort of thing. And, and this is true in games too. But I think in games, the things that people call a sequel probably mm-hmm. mostly are about mechanics and yeah. setting. Yep, they're mechanical sequels rather than narrative sequels. I think. I, I don't. Well, they, well, I guess they they can be. I guess is my point. So even if you think about something like Diablo, Diablo is one of the easiest ones because the narrative has been is actually been the exact same narrative. The narrative is time. Diablo yeah. is here. Shit, kill it, and then, kill everybody, it. and then everybody freaks out and they do that. Yeah, um, to me that's just like the Diablo series just basically gets sequel in that case means the same game with better graphics and, and cool modified, mechanics, updated right? mechanics. Yeah, modified mechanics. Absolutely, I think. You know, when it comes to a Crashlands 2 concept, I think there's there's plenty of cool stuff that we could add or do, whatever else. I mean, there's just, there's always so I much. Mean, aside from it being an MMO, which it will be. Right. Yeah. Crashlands MMO. Yeah. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. Mm. I right. don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure about my opinion on the on on sequels. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you want to be the studio, if we wanted to be the studio that makes Crashlands, and that was our goal, then yeah, we'll just fucking do these forever until the end of time, right? We'll just make Crashlands two, and then three, and then four. But if we want to build a universe of stuff and be known as a studio that makes cool games within that universe, I would much rather make games that are all kind of related, but that don't that aren't explicitly tied to each other so strongly that people would call them a sequel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you look at, if you look at the trajectory, you know, we have, we have at times referenced a uh, towel fight as being a prequel to Quadrupus and yeah. Quadrupus as being a prequel to Crashlands. Oh, it's because they are in the sense that they're in the same universe. They take place one after another. They, they tell they parts reference of the stories or reference each other. Story, yeah. Right. So the, those are sequels. So I guess what I, what I think then is I like the idea of narrative sequels where actually we could kind of swap out and slowly change the character or, or change the, the part of the story we're telling, right? But without the mechanics being just obvious direct sequels. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's more yeah. fun for us that way, I think. Yeah, it's more sure. it's more fun and interesting. All right, next question, which is also uh, conveniently related to this idea of the Butterscotch universe. From, comes from Australia number one fan, Mia Kitty who says the all-important question that came up when playing Quadrupus this week, is the Butterscotch universe a binary genderverse? I know there's a lot of he, which is tack, and she, which is flux in the case of Crashlands, but is that just our interpretation of their gender? So it's interesting, because it's always a fun one, so just because people on the internet are very angry about the genders of things. Um, yeah. Kind of as a rule. <laughs> either way you go, people get angry about stuff. Yeah. Um... But I think this is actually something that I considered while while doing most of the story writing is that I got Adam and I, I think I actually had like an hour long discussion one day where I was really aggravated because I was making some new, I think I was making some new Brubus characters. And I had to, like, I, I was just noticing that I had way more dudes doing stuff than I had ladies in the, in the Brubus colony. And then I was like, why does this, why does this matter? These are like bubble aliens shaped like birds. Like, and they don't even reproduce. They just emerge from 
the bog. bog. They're completely asexual in nature. Like they're the not. They're not even them. ace. They're just. They're non-sexual. Yeah, they right. don't reproduce. And but the reality is that for the sake, I mean, just for the use of English, for the use of any language for a storytelling medium, uh, because of the the fact that humans are binary in nature, or at least you know, maybe not not completely binary, culturally, culturally more so, then it makes it more. It makes it very difficult to try to do something that has any sort of gender fluidity to it when it comes to talking about characters. Yeah, there's and no there's no gender or there's no non-gendered term to refer to a, a person, right? Right. He or she, him or her. And so I think as a, as a result, you're just going to get I mean like the stories that you get are going to even if they're not necessarily, or if it makes no sense for them to be uh, gendered, they have to be in order to, for you to talk about them, which is an interesting sort of uh, linguistic kind of constraint that we have, right? Um, which is, as, as Seth said, there's no easy way to actually just say, like, it's this, it's a brubus. It's a different, <laughs> just, like, it's, it's just a brubus. It's just a brubus. But I think, I think the, the important thing to note, though, is no matter what gender gets arbitrarily assigned to the characters, it has no bearing on the story. What we actually do is we we do arbitrarily assign genders to things and it never has a bearing. What we can't say like about the, the woman always universe, gets kidnapped and the man no. always saves the day and blah. But we don't blah, even blah. have that story. Well, I, I guess know. we have a we have other things gonna kidnap. A dog. Packages. A dog. Packages. <laughs> Quit with the spoilers, guys. Sorry, sorry. Jeez. But yeah, so so to us it's important to to build a universe where the characters don't give a shit about gender. It's just not a thing. And it's not It's not a thing that has an impact on how people in the Butterscotch universe view each other, or people and aliens and so on, right? And as Sam and Seth are saying, you know, we still need to use gender identifiers to actually refer to things because that's how English works. But I think it's also true that, I mean, most people, not everyone, but most people identify with one gender or another. And one thing that people do or like to argue is that if that they just want to choose one, they just say it doesn't matter and then choose one for convenience. But the fact is that's not good either, right? Because then even if it's the case that gender doesn't mean anything in the universe we've created, people, since it means something to them and they identify with gender, they want to feel like they're represented in games. True. So by actually having things be referred to as he or she, it helps people identify them with, with them in a, in a meaningful way because that is part of how people identify. Right. Maybe in the future we should just flip a coin. For every character we make, just flip a this coin. What we, this is this is what I did in my mind. Yeah. yeah, for me it was actually mostly just I try. I basically kind of did it with every other character that I made. I would just try to remember if the last one I made was male or female, and then I would do the opposite for the next one, so I could get a roughly 50-50 split. And and as some astute, as as a very small number of astute players have noted, there are a few characters whose genders change a few times during the story. <laughs> Because we forgot which one they were, but because it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. And so you could you could even treat that as in in it would be fine if you treated that as intentional because of the fact that that gender doesn't mean anything. And also, we're talking about universe. aliens who you know. Yeah. The 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 Brubus emerged from the bog. The Tendrom are part plant. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how they would. I don't know how reproduction even. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah. But even all the other the creatures in general in, in Crashlands, you know, we have a few of the, the name modifiers are things like bull or matriarch, matriarch and whatever, Queen. sort of implying a gender. Right. But you can knock an egg out of any creature. Yeah. Yeah. A bull wampet can drop an egg or whatever. Yeah. And so the way that we our, our explanation of that is either we haven't really chosen one exactly is either that the biology is just like that, meaning there really there's literally no such thing as a male female yeah. split or that the creatures themselves and the people around them don't are either 
self-identify however they want or don't give a crap so they arbitrarily choose. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're referring to them how they want to be referred to and then they just happen to be male or female if that's even a thing that exists in our universe. Yeah. So there's we your don't answer. know. Doesn't, doesn't even know. matter. Yep. We don't know and it doesn't even matter. <laughs> but it's got shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> our next question comes from Pixel and Bracket and this is a this is a biznaz question. Biznaz. And the question is is there a Butterscotch studio space in the works? So no. We talked about expanding. So but why? There's a question why why not why not make like get a building well here's why it costs money to have a studio space and it doesn't do anything with regard to the games that you produce well it makes them more expensive it makes it raises the bar of how many sales you have to get for it to be considered a successful game because you spent more money making it. But uh, all you need is a, is a friggin' laptop and probably an internet connection. We were actually making this joke a lot when we were running around GDC because we were carrying, we would carry our laptops in our bags with us. And at any point, like we had actually multiple times, we would just sit down at a table and all open our laptops and then someone would make a joke about how we just deployed our office. Yeah. The yeah. whole office is just Our entire office fits into three backpacks. And there's something nice about keeping your keeping your burn rate just low where you can. So obviously, if you know, if in the future we get up to a a few more uh, people in the shop, then we'll probably just need to get our own space for the sake of not literally not being able to put everybody in the same room together. But at least for now and in the foreseeable future, it's not going to be an issue, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And even if we, you know, bring another one or two people uh, into the studio, we actually still have space in our apartments that we could make that work. So. There's yeah. no need. It adds nothing and only costs stuff. Yeah. But it's got plus, yeah. <laughs> plus, if you if you have a, a home or a place where you can take a room and dedicate it to that task, you get some tax benefits. It's true. That's true. You get yeah, right you, off the square footage. You can deduct yeah. that. It's money you already had to spend on the place you're living, but now you just don't pay as much in taxes. Boom. Win, win, win. Yep. All right, next question. I wanted to get to this one because it's it's interesting and potentially controversial. I will say we'll probably do an extra 10 minutes or so on this podcast to make up for the two weeks that we missed. <laughs> Yeah. So, so this one comes from Alan Falcon, who asks, as developers who embrace Let's Plays, how do you respond to the developer of That Dragon Cancer accusing some YouTubers of essentially causing them to lose income? Should Let's Plays be licensed deals or open to everyone? So could someone fill everybody in on the backstory so here? One of the I guys. personally do not know the backstory, and I... I can, I can tell it to you okay. instead, of, instead of you making it up. The guy behind that drug of cancer, which, if you're not familiar with it, is a, a game made by a guy who lost his very young son to, I think, a form of leukemia or something. And he spent a few years sort of exploring that and trying to express it in the context of a digital work of art that some people may call a game some people may not doesn't matter for the context of this well i think i think it does matter for the context of this but go ahead actually you're right it probably will so so anyways that's what this game is he wrote up an article a few days ago. I can't yeah, remember. It was very ago. recent anyway, a week ago. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't, some people, of course, freaked out about it because they thought he was implying that you, that Let's Players are a bad thing and are damaging the industry or, or whatever. But basically what it came down to is he was trying to explain why, I think a few YouTubers had gotten takedown notices or something. And it was actually because the sound 
as I understand it. The sound and music was just like We Have It was done by another studio. It was still owned by them and they just licensed it for use in the game. And it was actually the music studio who was, originally anyway, who was upset that all these like YouTubers and Let's Players were basically stripping out the music from the game and uploading it separately and doing all this kind of stuff, right? Or just doing Let's Plays where it was basically just the player playing the game without any commentary, so it was effectively like listening to the music of the game. Yep. So that was kind of where the thing started, and then it got into a more general sort of idea of the problem. And so he just wrote up a very actually totally reasonable sound <laughs> article about the about the potential problems with Let's Plays where, where he basically summed it up by saying, unless you're actually adding value to your video of the game, then you are actually taking away value from the developers of the game by by posting the entirety of its contents without doing anything else. Yeah, so this is where I think the type of the game it is matters. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, because if you watch somebody doing a Let's Play, let's say somebody's Twitch streaming or something, Rocket League, you are yeah. not going to get the experience of what it's like to play Rocket League by watching that video. You will get a glimpse into how insane it is. Um, but when you go and play it, it it's an extreme test of skill and it's chaos and it's hilarious and whatever, but it's all because it's a very, very mechanical game. There's a lot of action. It's very physics based. Yeah, well, the, the experience that's important is the experience of, of being the person playing the game. Yeah. And, and I think in the case of something like that dragon cancer, uh, we talked about Firewatch a while back is also being in the same game, same, same vein, which is basically a type of game that is almost entirely focused on narrative and not on mechanical elements, which, uh, as Sam, I think you had said, as far as Firewatch went, it, it felt like it was closer to watching a movie yes. than, than playing a game. And, and I think that Dragon Cancer is probably... You know, in that same I think more space, so. I think it's, it's more linear than Firewatch was. Yeah, and so in a in a weird way with a game like that, I I, I would actually probably agree that a let's player does harm to the sales of that game because you get almost the same experience of watching somebody just play it as you would playing it yourself. Yeah, I think that's yeah. When, when your decisions in the game don't impact it, yeah, you just you just go linearly through way. a preconceived story where you don't really have any major actions that you can take, and what you do doesn't affect much, and it's not very very mechanical, right? Right, and I think right. This, or mechanics based. We've talked about this before about how we lack we currently lack the language necessary to actually accurately describe some of these new works that are coming out um, from Firewatch to that Dragon Cancer. I think they, they're in the same sort of category. Um, but classifying them as games in this particular case uh, is a little rough when it comes to the general nature of games as far as how they're consumed on a, on a media level, which is through these a lot of these Let's Plays and the Twitch channels and stuff. Because if it is a game, then yeah, it seems like it makes perfectly reasonable sense for you to do a Let's Play of it, put it online, whatever else. But if in reality it's a game that works more on a narrative level and works actually more like a movie then like you don't get full well, you copyrighted movies on youtube yeah, right you don't, you don't so, have somebody go let's go do a let's let's do a let's watch of batman versus superman i'm gonna go to the theater and i'm gonna put a camera on my face and i'm gonna film the fucking movie screen and i'm gonna live stream it onto 
Twitch, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Because that would literally harm the sales of that movie, right? Because now you could just watch the movie at home. Yeah, and it's, it's because these things are somewhere in between a game where you have a really active involvement with what the game does, right? And a movie where you have no you have no power at all over how the thing unfolds. But so, it's closer, so it really just has to, to do... Yeah, so it really just has to do with the more passive the player is as a participant in the game, the more harm will be done to the game by, by yeah, YouTube videos. Yeah, I think that's fair. If, you're, if the player is, an, is a very active participant in the game, then I think the opposite would be true, right? Where Yeah, but I think the interesting thing is that you're... I mean, you're really doomed no matter what, honestly, uh, as a developer, because, I mean, as you saw with this, like, there's there's a bunch of, you know, this... Of course, the internet tends to catch on fire about many stupid things, but um, there's plenty of outrage that came out of this, right? Because, like you said, Seth, YouTubers... People love their YouTube videos. Yeah, and YouTubers are like, what, you know, I'm getting this takedown notice, which they weren't getting it for this particular reason, but, um, you know, the, the thought was that this was a developer who was anti-Let's Plays, which we know from, like, Nintendo, when they did that thing where Nintendo tried to monetize people's videos or whatever, um, that everyone loses their minds over. And so it's it's interesting because because they're in the game playing space, like you yeah, almost because everybody insists on to. calling it a game. Yeah, so you, you gotta almost, play by the you rules have to of do games. a let's play. Yeah, which you have sucks. to allow it when in reality it may not actually fit the model that you're using very well. So totally it's yeah, it's very hard, honestly. Um, and I think it puts people in a rough spot because what what are your options there? You either say okay, you can do the let's play, in which case you know very likely you're you're not able to capture sales off of those things because people view the watching of that narrative unfold as the equivalent of you know playing the game, and so as a result you're not going to get a sale from anybody. Uh, or you say no, you can't, and then everyone loses their collective minds, and you also don't get exposure from that. So it's that's a that's just a rough place to be. Like I there's not a good space for these sorts of things right now. I think it yeah, is the reality. Well, well, once again, it comes, it just comes right back down to us not having the vocabulary to know what to call this thing. So we call it a game and now all of a sudden it gets treated like one and, and it really shouldn't because it's to its detriment. Yeah. So I mean, the other key part of that whole argument or the whole discussion is about the, the value that a YouTuber adds on top of it, because a good, a good let's play is actually about the person playing the game. It's not, it's just barely about the game. And what that does, it allows that person to serve as an entertainer who entertains by their responses and commentary on top of, of, of gameplay. Right. And you'll notice, I mean, if you actually look at any of the really, really big YouTubers, they all have that same line in their uh, in their work, which is it's extremely active on their part and extremely personality focused. Yeah. You know, it's not about the game. At Absolutely. The end of the day. And we've, we even had dev friends who have said, oh, yeah, I got my game played by Jacksepticeye or Markiplier or something. And it did nothing for the sales yeah. because people, people aren't, aren't there for, for the that. game. <laughs> yeah. They're not watching it for the game. They're watching it for the guy. They're a Markiplier fan or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but if you see somebody, if you see Markiplier playing uh, Rocket League, which is a really good example. I mean, the reason that I got Rocket League was because I watched a, a very brief Let's Play of it for like a minute. And immediately I was like, this is a game I have to go play. It looks like too much fun. Yeah. It looks like too much fun. And, and it's because the person playing it was having a blast. The game itself looked like so much fun. I was like, I want, I want to have the same experience, right? And so what a YouTuber is doing is selling the experience playing the game. The less value they add, meaning the less personality they put on top of it and the more linear the game is meaning the fewer player decisions that can be made or mechanics that can be used the worse that situation gets yeah yep and and i think it, but it is true for action actiony games too that that purely posting a non-value added game content really isn't okay like that doesn't do anything well good. i think it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for anybody i think it doesn't matter because the the people who just post videos 
That's true. They of get no the views. gameplay, they don't yeah. get any subscribers or views. Nobody cares, you know. Yeah, so that's accurate. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't affect anything. But don't give don't matter. give keys to people who do that. Yeah, and actually, at least most make them buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most people who asked us for keys. We're running for Crashlands. We're running YouTube channels that were exactly like that. Just silent, it's no commentary, silent or or, or you know, a very small amount of commentary, which is mostly just kind of slight responses to what was happening. Yeah, not not good enough. Take it up a notch, guys. Come on. Get your head together. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. We'll do the uh, final question of the day, I think, right? Is it time? Is it time? Yep. Sure. All right. Final question. We'll do a uh, business question again. This one comes from G Carr, who asks, if you could have a game be a commercial success, but quickly forgotten, that's option A, or do porn sales, but be a very memorable experience for those who play it, that's B, which would you choose and why? We've done both of those. We have. I would choose, <laughs> uh, I would choose A. Absolutely. Because that's going to happen actually on accident. It has to us um, before, as far as, you know, or I guess not, it hasn't actually, that, that particular aspect hasn't happened to us, but the idea of like, the idea in the latter one of having one that people respect a lot and have a great time with, but it doesn't actually make any money for the studio. Like Telltale too. Yeah, that's a death rattle for us. Like that's really bad because we have we, to we have to at least make some minimum threshold of income to keep operating. Right. Yep. And so I really I mean ideally ideally you have a game that is a commercial success and that is not forgettable at the end of the yeah, day. Well, of course, but if you can't have that, you're a hell of a lot better off with a commercial success because it'll allow you to make the next game, which might that, be both. That might Try be to both. do a better job of making it memorable. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is one of those things that if you were a true artist who didn't give a shit about being financially viable, and I'm not even saying successful, but viable, then you would probably choose the latter option, right? Because you're in it for the make for the making of games. But the fact is, you have to be extremely privileged in life to be able to do that and get away with it. Just be like, I just don't care about having yeah. money at all. Yeah, the only way you can do it is if you already have enough. Money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And in that, and actually, and we, you know, if we're if we're lucky enough as a studio to get to that place where we just have an infinite runway and it doesn't matter what we do, then in that case, I would much rather end up in the latter camp because again, then we're privileged as fuck and it doesn't actually matter financially what we do. And then I'd rather just spend my time making games that people like. Just do whatever you want. Yeah, this this answer just comes from where exactly your place of privilege is, probably. Yeah, well, that's it's weird though because you know we've had the the privilege of having very supportive spouses who. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who have literally they have just they've been our they've been our breadwinners. I mean they funded development while while we've been yeah, they they were helping pay to keep us alive uh while we worked on Crashlands and, and did all this stuff and um and even with that at no point were we like, Well, I guess we just don't have to give a shit about money then. Because like <laughs> right. we all you know, we all were very grateful, but we also felt we uh, should be able to contribute. Yeah, something. we wanted to be able to contribute to our families and our, our home lives and everything and well, and more importantly, it's nice if you can then return the favor to someone who supports you, right? To That's be able to right. turn around and say, you got me here, uh, now let me get you to wherever you want to go next. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in the case of us, I mean, Diana's now doing, my fiance's doing her own nonprofit thing now, you know, as yeah. opposed to work under nine to five. That was, that's the trade, you yep. know, and that's a good way to do it. You're, you're work as a team with your spouse. So, all right. Well, I think that's all the time we have. We went a little bit over because of, because of our two week we hiatus. You. Uh, so, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll throw an extra three or four minutes in next week too, just to kind of finish tipping the scales. Um, and yeah. also I want to thank uh, Fat Bard for, for doing our editing. He has mm -hmm. edited the past, uh, what, five yeah. or so podcasts, and he's doing a great job. And it's taken a huge load off of our shoulders. Backs? Backs? 
Mine? Eyeballs? Ears, It's, it's taken some kind of thing off of our, some other kind of thing. Uh, and it's been super helpful. So thank you, Fat Bard, for that. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you want to check out our games, head on over to uh, games.bscotch.net. We have stuff for Android, iOS, uh, PC, and Mac. So we have something for, if you have something with a screen on it, you can play one of our games. Unless it's just a TV. Uh, yeah, but we're working on that. True so, fact. Uh, also, you Wait, can join. Are we? No, yeah, we're not. Totally. Okay. Maybe. Don't worry about it. Uh, you can also join our community at forums.bscotch.net. We have a whole bunch of people there all the time yammering away, and uh, we pop in there as well. And uh, you can also ask us questions for the next week's podcast over at podcast.bscotch.net. All right, that's all we got for y'all. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.